fighting for freedom every day. You as the individual, you have the power. You don't have to join a union. You go in as an entry-level position. You get the experience that you need. And then as you work up, you get better at your job, which means they pay you more. If they don't pay you more, then you go to another company to show what you've learned and what your value is to where you can get more. If they really don't like that, then you can go and start your own damn business because we have a free market laissez-faire capitalist society allegedly, to where you can actually go off and do your own thing. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. Welcome back into the program. It is a Friday, the day we've been looking forward to all week long. Welcome in. It is great to have you. Show of hands, who's excited it's Friday? Me, 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 me. What is going on here? I, Redonkulous, man. There it is. I'm trying to, right as we go on the program, I love how this is right at the end of, you know, down to the wire, baby. Right as we're about ready to go on, I see this headline on Twitter from Carrie Lake, bombshell news. So I say, hey, maybe I should tune into this. And then, of course, I get on my computer. Are you logged in? I'm already logged in. You need to re-log in. Drive me nuts, man. It's a Friday. Can't wait for the weekend. <laughs> what a week it's been. I swear that everybody's ready to just kind of do some R&R this weekend. Welcome into the program. This is the Voice of Reason. I am Andy Hoosier. Welcome in. Broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country. Radio, TV, live streaming, and podcasting. However you watch or listen to the show, we love you to death. Welcome aboard your Millennial General reporting for duty. Bottom of the hour today. We have Gregory Wrightstone. He is with the CO2 Coalition. We'll talk about midterms. We'll talk about the recap of midterms as things are still lingering out there. Also, what the midterms mean moving forward for climate initiatives. We're going into the cooler season. And Joe Biden himself, during the campaign, during the midterms, said that we will not be drilling any longer. It will be ending here in the United States. At a different time, but at the same time as well, he's also said that energy bills, including electricity and natural gas, may be going up 30 to 40 percent compared to the prices that we saw last year. And during a winter that is supposed to be uh, allegedly relatively harsh, we could be seeing some extremely high utility bills going into the wintertime. That's at the same time that he says we're not going to be drilling any longer. We don't want coal. We don't want oil. We don't want natural gas. We don't want any of these things, but your utility bills are going to go up and you should be thanking Democrats for your utility bills going higher this wintertime because they're really looking out for you. They're doing it for you. So what they're going to do, at least what he said he was going to do on the campaign trail, was that they were just going to send you money from the government to cover the higher bills instead of actually lowering it by creating more into the market. We're just going to give you a free government check to buy you off. Say, thank you, government. You solved all my problems. I'll continue to vote Democrats. And that's how we start off the program today. Welcome in. We have a lot to talk about. Let's get into, first off, our What's Trending Big Stories of the Day. What's Trending Today? There was a headline from Mediaite.com of Dave Wasserman. Not sure who Dave Wasserman is. Don't know if it's a guy I'm supposed to be paying attention to. I don't really know. He tweeted out earlier today, quote, I've seen enough. Senator Mark Kelly, the Democrat out of Arizona, wins re-election over uh, Blake Masters, the Republican Trump-endorsed candidate. It's just over. You don't even need to count any longer. It's done. Finito. Now, according to the U.S. Uh, or the Associated Press, there is currently 78% reporting in for the U.S. Senate race in Arizona. Mark Kelly, the Democrat, is up right now by, I want to say, roughly right around 100,000 votes. However, there are still... 
500 plus thousand votes that have not been counted, depending on what districts or what areas those are in. I don't know if it's over or not. Right now it is sitting 51.7% to 46.1% in that race. What really confuses me is right now we are on the trend for Kerry Lake to win the governor's race. Why would someone vote for Kerry Lake and not vote for Blake Masters? Even if you try and get into the haggling of, well, the Republican Party's going too far to the right, he was endorsed by Trump, he was a MAGA individual, so was Kerry Lake. So why would one vote for one of them and not for the other? I just don't understand that philosophy. And there's a, not really not a lot of votes coming in for that one. As well, Mark Kelly's sitting just over 1 million votes, 1,060,000. Blake Masters at 944,000, not even breaking a million votes. That's kind of strange when we have a Kerry Lake election right now where we are sitting just over a million apiece-ish and 79% reporting in for them. They are still within a one percentage point difference between the two or less. I guess 1.5 is what it's sitting at, 50.7 to 49.3. However, according to... A lot of the experts that are looking at that one, the delayed 500,000 votes that are still trickling in for the state of Arizona there, they are coming from rural districts that are still late on reporting and the ones that voted in person on Election Day, which is in favor to Carrie Lake. Maricopa County, which is predominantly about a 60-40 Republican district as well that's had all the issues, they're expecting anywhere between a 60-40 to a 70-30 voter turnout for Carrie Lake. So that one's all but said and done for Carrie Lake to be official. I, that's good news, right? That's good for us. Again, for those that are tired of hearing about elections, I get it. We will have, uh, we'll shift gears here in just a moment, but this is important because the balance of the Senate hangs in the balance through Arizona and through Georgia right now. And it sounds like the Democrat may pick this one up, but I just don't get it with five, according to, uh, what is this? NBC news, just over 500,000, 539,000 votes are still remaining in that Arizona governor's race. And there are more of them counted in the governor's race than there are in the Senate race. And according to these experts, quote-unquote, I use that in air quotes for my radio listeners, that Blake Masters is done. The Republican Party's done for the Senate. Mark Kelly, the Democrat, has won it. We just need to just lump it up and just say it, and it's over. Don't worry about it. I just don't buy it. Who would have thought that Arizona and Georgia would be the two swinging states to decide the fate of the country moving forward. I find that kind of intriguing, honestly. Now, I again, just as I was going on here, I saw this headline from Carrie Lake. Bombshell election expert Gina Swoboda gives an update on the election in Arizona. Now, I have not heard this yet. I saw this just as I was going on the air, so you're going to hear this for the first time just as I am. This audio from Real America's Voice uh, TV outlet, and we're going to listen to this for a second and see what she has to say. done. They have to do that, and we want them to do that because, as we learned in the audit process, when they didn't do that in 2020, we could not reconcile what was adjudicated and what was not. Um, it's a good thing that they're doing it. It's a bad thing that they continue to refuse to work through the night to give the people the results of this election. Okay, so really quick, we only have a minute remaining, then we're going to welcome back our radio audience. Gina, adjudication, people are worried. How many ballots are currently in adjudication, and what does that mean? So they're not giving us the number, and we've asked the legal team to get a number from them today. Adjudication is when some 
team of a Republican and a Democrat are going to look at your ballot and try to determine what you meant to do when you cast that vote. The less ballots that go to adjudication, the better it is for us. The reports I'm getting is that a lot of them are a result of the judge races in Maricopa County. We had a, a, a large judicial retention, but there's room for mischief when things go into adjudication. So we're working on that number. We're going to get that for you sometime today. So very interesting. All right, so that was part of the Kerry Lake campaign, the election expert Gina Swoboda. That was on Real America's Voice earlier today as they are looking at these adjudicated ballots. As you know, and as we've talked about on the show, there were many different printers in Maricopa County and other places to where it was not printing the ballots dark enough to where the scanners, when you would fill out the paper ballot and scan it, it was not reading it properly. And this happened to multiple and multiple and multiple different precincts while the election commissioners were like, oh, we just had printer problems. Everybody's got printer problems. So it was not printing them dark enough, so they're having to count them by hand through the adjudication process here, which means they get to try to decipher what people were trying to do during those uh, for those ballots and how they were being cast. The good news, if this is true and the way she's saying it, is that it's not about the governor's race, but about some of the retention of the judges in the state of Arizona, which means... The vast majority of those will be going to Cary Lake, and we could see things speed up a little bit, at least in the governor's race there. And uh, Cary Lake, it could be soon the governor of the state of Arizona. For those that don't live in Arizona, I can hear the question of, Andy, why do we really care about this? And there's a few different reasons why we need to focus on this. Number one, obviously, with the concerns of Maricopa County and the fraud that goes on in the state of Arizona, it is very important for us to look and see what's going on in other states to make sure things are transparent and they are running efficiently the way that they need to. Number two, it is a big sign for those on the other side of the aisle and the Democrats that they would continue to vote for a Democrat system that obviously is not very efficient and working well for the people to show transparency and to clean up the issues. You've had two years since the questions about the 2020 presidential election and you still didn't get your you know what together in this race for the midterms of 2022 two years later down the road you didn't fix the ballots you didn't fix the voting machines you didn't fix the printers what the hell are you doing? Which means there needs to be a priority for it. And obviously with it being a border state and with other issues going on down in Arizona, this is essential. And I think it's going to turn out well for both Carrie Lake and for Blake Masters. Because again, what crazy person in Arizona would say, I'm going to vote for Carrie Lake, but I'm going to flip and either not vote for Blake Masters or I'm going to vote for the Democrat in that race when they're both endorsed by Trump. They're both MAGA conservatives. They're both great individuals and they both need to be represented because it's going to come down to, uh, again, Arizona and Georgia for these who's going to dominate the Senate. We're all going to win the House. And that's good news. We talked about it yesterday. We still have great opportunity to stop legislation coming out of Congress. It would be really nice to actually have a Republican majority in both chambers to really put Joe Biden on the hot spot and make him have to go along and get along to go along with Republican values for the most part. Outside of that, the question is, is in the Senate, regardless of whether we get the majority or we do not get the majority in the Senate, the question is, who's going to be the leadership within the Republican Party? As of right now, obviously, Mitch McConnell has been the Senate uh, minority leader, Mitch McConnell. But he's also headed up most of the RNC's campaign issues from the national level as well, helping out different states. Marco Rubio, according to Newsmax, has apparently come out and said that we should probably delay the leadership vote to renominate uh, Mitch McConnell as the leader of the Republican Party in the Senate, regardless of whether he's going to be the majority leader or the minority leader, maybe we should reconsider this for just a second. 
And I'm glad it's about time that we actually questioned Mitch McConnell because Mitch McConnell has not really been the most conservative guy. He's not the most energetic guy either. He falls asleep while he's talking, too. He's almost like Joe Biden, except for he actually says things somewhat coherently. He just says them in a very slow fashion. (laughs) So Marco Rubio has called for the delay in the Senate after expressing disappointment with the party's performance in the midterm elections. According to Newsmax, Rubio's announcement sent shockwaves through Washington, D.C. What was it? Today? Yesterday? Thursday? Today is Friday, right? Yeah, today's Friday. Uh, He sent shockwaves through Washington, D.C. on Thursday with his move to suggest current Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell could be ousted. Quote, the Senate GOP leadership voted next week uh, should be postponed. First, we need to make sure that those who want to lead us are genuinely committed to fighting for the priorities and values of the working Americans of every background who gave us big wins, like in states like Florida. I love the fact that he's doing this. The question is, who do we have as a leader in the Senate, whether it's a majority or minority leader? Who do we have stand up and do this? Mitch McConnell's done it for so long, I don't think he knows anything different. And with the way the establishment works in Washington, D.C., I don't think he wants to give up that. It's probably going to happen. He probably will get renominated, but it would be really nice to have someone maybe a little bit feistier. Maybe a little bit more conservative, maybe someone who actually understands the average working American that can relate to them a little bit better, guiding the Republican Party as we're on our trend right now in our pathway in our yellow brick road of rebranding the Republican Party nationally to try and be a more appealing to individuals who are maybe a little bit more on the iffy side or never heard of the Republican message before or the minority communities that have no clue what the Republican Party is all about. Maybe a rebranding is needed. We're on the brink of changing the party for some really, really good, cool stuff, weeding out some of these moderate hacks. Mitch McConnell has been that for many a time, and it's time to change that. The question is, who would take up that torch and run with it in the Senate? We'll do some more of that when we come back. Stay here. Reason with Andy Hoosier. Bring some reason into your day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting, reason, common sense, rationale. That's what we're all about here on this program. Welcome in. So the counting by hand of the ballots because the printers that were just too light in Arizona. Does that seem a little fishy? I'm getting some messages from a few different people on social media right now saying, Andy, that was the whole plan. To be able to have their hands on. I mean, that really does reinforce the whole idea of the fact that uh, Katie Hobbs, the Democrat candidate for governor, was also seen in one of the counting precincts in there watching the counting happening. That's concerning. I don't think that's even allowed. We saw that photo yesterday that was time stamped at one of the precincts. Don't know which one it was, but it is concerning. Uh, They are desperate, desperate, man, to try and keep that majority. At the same time, we saw the big rock stars of the Democrat Party fall, just like the dominoes that they are in this election. His Beto O'Rourke out of Texas lost handily in that state. Uh, Stacey Abrams in the state of Georgia for the governor's race fell handily, like double digits handily, uh, to Brian Kemp for a second time. When will the Democrat Party see some new faces? That's another conversation for another time. When will the Republican Party see some new faces, however, though? Mitch McConnell, potentially not going to be the minority or majority leader, depending on what side we end up turning out at the end of the day. Good news on that, by the way, too. I don't know if you've seen 
Herschel Walker, the Republican candidate for the Senate race in Georgia, the first day of finding out that there was going to be a runoff race in December, received $3.3 million in donations in a single day. If that is not excitement from the Republican side to show that he has the momentum in that state, I don't know what else is going to be that sign. And as I said yesterday, I will reiterate myself again, you need to pander to the libertarian and conservative independent votes that do not like the Republican Party right now. That's who you need to go. Don't go squishy. Don't go to the left. Do not try to win over people that voted for Herschel Walker. There's a reason they voted for uh, for Warnock, not Herschel Walker, but there's a reason they voted for Warnock is because they're Democrats. Or they, t- If you don't know the difference in policies between Herschel Walker and Warnock right now, then we don't want your vote because you're too stupid to figure it out. There's a vast difference between the two. Don't go for them. Go for winning over the, the libertarians and the independents that are conservative that don't like the Republican Party and voted for that third-party libertarian candidate that was 2% of the vote. You win them over. You get them to turn out in the election. That's who wins the race. It's not trying to win over the softer ones. They're like, I don't know. If you don't know the difference between the two, and if you have your values so confused that you don't know which side you stand for, then I don't know how to help you anymore. It really begs the question, there's been an ongoing debate on social media today about the moderates. What is the moderate, and how do you win over the moderates? Well, the MAGA crowd just doesn't win over the moderates. Cool. How do you win over MAGA, uh, the moderates? Because while I reiterate this, Dr. Oz was a moderate. He was endorsed by Trump, but he was a moderate. He is a former Democrat a very squishy individual who tried to play off to win the conservatives in the primary, and it kind of, sort of, not really didn't work. We had Mitt Romney. We had John McCain. And, yeah, sure, they went up against Barack Obama, which was a force to be reckoned with. Sure, but even losing, they saw some of the lowest Republican voter turnout in decades in those two presidential elections because no one was excited about them. So tell me how continuously moving further to the left and compromising our values as a Republican Party on limited government policies, individual freedom, focus on the free market, and laissez-faire private sector. Tell me how compromising those values is going to win over more voters. You will never win over a Democrat who likes big government intrusion, even if you try to play to their card and try and win them over by agreeing with them. Then what's the point? You have two Democrats and they're going to go with the Democrat anyways because of special interests. It's not going to work. It is time for a new face. And I think Mitch McConnell needs to be out. I would love to see someone like a Mike Lee or a Ted Cruz or someone run as the Senate minority leader or majority leader in that party to dominate. Will it happen? I don't know if those two guys would do it, but at least someone like that, of that caliber, of that feistiness, of someone with that principle that would stand up and fight and actually run the Republican Party. And I guarantee you there would be a shift in identity. Talk about identity politics. There would be a shift in identity within the Republican Party if Mitch McConnell walked his way out as the leader of that party in that chamber. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, you're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Oh, man. Good guy. Got to apologize for some listening on the live video stream there. Had some double audio going on. We didn't turn off the local radio broadcast as we had our other 
stuff going on there. So had a little bit of double audio. What do you do? What do you do? Live radio. That's what it's all about. We're on multiple radio stations all over the place. We also on TV and live streaming and podcasting. Welcome into the program. Thanks for hanging out today for a Friday. You finally made it. Pat yourself on the back. I know it's been a rough week, especially with the elections. We'll get to some of that here in just a minute. Election coverage, it's still not done. Arizona up in the air. Georgia up in the air. Some in Colorado up in the air. Las Vegas up in the air. We still don't have a confirmation on who's going to be dominating. House. The House of Representatives will be going Republican. It's whether the Senate will or not. We'll continue our conversation as well on the potential leadership from the House uh, or from the Senate side and whether it's the minority leader or majority leader, which side is it going to be Mitch McConnell or not? Marco Rubio questioning that one. Could we see someone a little bit more feisty instead of Mitch McConnell? That would be an interesting conversation to have. But how do we move forward? And especially now, now I have to say, I live here in the Wichita area. That's where our flagship radio station is. Today is the very first day, the very first day that actually feels like I don't know, fall and winter time. It is in our mid-30s right now. I love it. And for those that are watching the video, you can see I'm still wearing my T-shirt. I have my shorts on. I walked outside this morning, and it was 26 degrees. I took a big, deep breath fresh uh, breath of fresh air. I love it. It exhilarates me. I am ready for the cool weather. But why had to wait till the middle of November to actually get some cool weather? It must be global warming, right? <laughs> and to talk about some of that and more... What's trending today? Happy to have this guy back on the program as he is with the CO2 Coalition, also author of the book Inconvenient Facts, the science that Al Gore doesn't want you to know. He's a friend of the show. We've had him on many, many times. Excited to have back on here with us, Mr. Gregory Wrightstone. Greg, how are you, my friend? Oh, good, 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 good. Uh, good to be back on with you. And as usual, when we're talking, man, there's a lot going on revolving around climate change. COP27. Mm. Uh, in Sharm el-Sheikh, India, or excuse me, uh, Egypt, uh, Joe Biden promoting uh, uh, methane restrictions, uh, nitrogen <laughs> being demonized around the world, uh, and the CO2 coalition is right in the thick of all of it. You guys are battling it left and right, which is what we absolutely love. What I don't get is that we hear during the midterms, we hear the Biden administration on the campaign trail reconfirming to the crowd, calling him out for his left-wing progressive values in support of it, saying, no, no more drilling. We're not going to dig for coal. We're not going to actually get natural gas. We're not going to drill for oil any longer. It's done. It's over. While he's telling the American people, hey, expect your electricity and your utility rates to go up by near 30 to 40 percent over the wintertime because there's a shortage and there's nothing that we can do about it. I mean, that's kind of insane, isn't it? Well, it's it's beyond that. He's I don't know what to think about the guy. I mean, on one hand, he says, I want to work with the Republicans. And then on the uh, the next sentence, he's trashing everybody, can you know, mega MAGA and all the rest. And on, on oil and gas, he says, we're going to drive down the oil prices and gasoline and diesel prices. While he, the next sentence, he's trashing them and saying, we're not going to drill anymore. We're going to shut them down. Uh, if Put yourself in the role of a CEO of a large oil company, and you're, you're debating whether to spend $3 billion to develop uh, a Gulf of Mexico oil oil field uh, that will take 10 years to come online. And you've got to make that decision today. And you've got the president of the United States saying, we're going to shut down drilling. I'm going to stop leasing. I'm going to stop everything. What are you going to do? You're going to, any competent, rational CEO of a company would say, there's no way in the world we're going to risk $3 billion on something where the federal government might 
government might shut us down in two years. Yeah. And and that's the that's the problem we have to face. In the United States, though, we have we're blessed with gigantic shale oil and shale gas accumulations. Those are mainly dominated by the independent oil companies, not the big companies. And and they can go. They're not. These aren't ten year projects when they're doing. You can make a decision for a shale field. You've got permits. You can go drill a well, have it online in a year. So. You can make those, and they're, so we're, we're seeing shale gas development. It's the big, big, big uh, Alaska, Gulf of Mexico uh, projects that are being delayed. Sure. It is unfortunate, and you're right. I mean, we could be doing well. Here in Kansas, I know, uh, we've talked to Kansas Strong, which is a group that represents a lot of the oil and natural gas industry here in our state. And they say, I mean, like you mentioned, 90% of the oil production in our state is done by small mom and pops that have like maybe one or two of the drills where they just kind of do their thing, but it's not run by major oil. Uh, The oil industry, quote unquote, gets a lot of a bad rep from the other side of the aisle saying that it's just these evil oil techs and CEOs that are just dominating the industry and setting the prices. That's not the case at all right now, is it? No, it is. In fact, I was honored to be the keynote speaker last year, one of their at their annual event uh, at, at Cuyahoga. and so oh, I was. I, I know a lot about that. Uh, got to got to meet a lot of the people out there. And you're right, Kansas uh, and, and other most of the Midwest, most of the independents, they're they're driving most of the production right now in the United States, yeah. and and we should be blessed with that. Uh, these these are true entrepreneurs taking risks, uh, but but it's the American people that w- will suffer. We just look at there were some the really really big decisions that Joe Biden made early in his administration, shutting down the XL pipeline, shutting down the National Petroleum Reserve in Alaska. Now, that's different from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. The National Petroleum Reserve is one of the largest undeveloped oil reserves in North America. He killed it. He killed Anwar in Alaska, which is the largest. Mm. Um, and they're, they're the, and these are long-term. If he, if we were going to develop that, it, it's not going to help gasoline prices this year or next year. But it sure as heck will in eight or ten years. Sure. And that's we need we need this long-term view of what we're going to do. And the best thing Joe Biden right now could do is just get the heck out of the way. Now, Donald Trump is that's what he did. He says, "I'm, you know." He says, "Free it up, get rid of regulations." Um, and it's it, we, if you look at natural gas, I know a little bit about that because I was I was a geologist. I, I authored. I was a co-author of the first comprehensive peer-reviewed paper on the largest natural gas field in the world in the United States and in the United States, the Marcellus Shale. Uh, and and I've spoken around the world, all, all over the world around it. And just to give you an idea how big this accumulation is in the eastern United States, Pennsylvania, eastern Ohio, northern West Virginia, we looked at the top, this is this will blow you away, we looked at the top 10 largest conventional natural gas fields in the world. Those combined, those top 10 combined, did not equal what the Marcellus was wow. in terms of gas. Think about that. That's the top insane. 10 combined doesn't even equal what that what we have sitting there uh, in the eastern United States. There's one below it that's even bigger, and I've written uh, probably the only guy writing about another supergiant above it. So we've got just it when when they talk about nat- uh, America being uh, the Saudi Arabia of natural gas, they are entirely correct. 
and we're not even tapping it. We're just letting it sit there, which, you know, for the environmentalists, they're all happy. Okay, great. Well, I understand that. But we're not we're not utilizing what we have here. Well, it, 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 we are tapping it, but we're restricted because of pipeline constraints. There are sure. seven major pipelines that have been killed that would take all of the pipelines out of the Appalachian Basin are at capacity right now. So if you drill, what they're doing right now is just drilling enough to keep the natural declines up. Uh, but we can't move, get what they really need to do. Is we have to be able to move natural gas from Pennsylvania to New England. But New Jersey and New York have imposed pipeline bans. They completely have, uh, have shut down any pipeline construction. So if, we, if you look now, New England natural gas prices are five times what they are just to the south. Sure. And what's that, what that's doing is 60% of the electricity manufacturing in New England is from natural gas. So that's just skyrocketing that electricity costs for all of New England. Uh, wow. These things compound on each other. It's just, it's just horrible, horrible, uh, bad policy decision. And then think about this. You may not – most people don't realize – New England cannot buy cheap liquefied natural gas from from Texas or Louisiana because of what's called the Jones Act, which requires American flag vessels to move commodities from one American port to another. There are no American flagged LNG carriers, so they have they're not allowed to buy it. They have to buy their their gas coming into Boston from Algeria, from Saudi Arabia, and elsewhere. That's extremely expensive. It's just stupid. Joe Biden could, tomorrow morning, he could get up and sign an exemption of the Jones Act, and we could be importing inexpensive uh, natural gas from Louisiana, Texas, and in, in Boston. But he doesn't want to do it. That'll just uh, enable the oil companies to make more money and, to, yeah. and, and, and promote more natural gas. That's insane. Uh, we got This is really an anti-human. It's an anti-human agenda they have here. Oh sure, yeah, it's an anti-humanity uh, solution. I mean, this is uh, holding us to the whims of these other nations. We got up in a minute before we have to take a hard break here. But your thoughts moving forward, especially with oil and natural gas, who are we going to be dependent on? OPEC's already cut a lot of their production, but is it going to be Saudi Arabia? Is it going to be Russia, who's been stockpiling dur- during this entire conflict with? Ukraine. I mean, who will we be pleading to and begging to when we run out of our reserves? Well, it looks like some pretty bad players: Iran, Venezuela, uh, those two in particular. Mm. Uh, Biden's cozying up to. We just saw John Kerry shaking the hand of the ex-president Maduro. Uh, there's an eight million dollar bounty on his head for his arrest by the American government, and John Kerry's po- te- cozying up to him over in uh, at COP27 in Egypt. Uh, it's it's embarrassing. Wow. And it's uh, there's so much we could do. Make it. There's so much we can do to just that's so easy and so common sense. We're not doing it. We're not doing it. Yeah, we're talking with Gregory Wrightstone. Hang on the line here. We got to take a hard break. When we come back, I want to talk about moving forward and the subsidies that we get for these alternative energies, the efficiency of these, and what our future could look like here in the country. It is the CO2 Coalition. CO2Coalition.org. Lots more coming up here on a Friday. Stay right here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason 
with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. We've got a few minutes left here of the show for a Friday. I know you see the light at the end of the tunnel. You're excited. I'm excited. You scream, I scream. We all scream for ice cream. Take a weekend off, man, after the elections, especially with those that have been working so hard on the campaign trails. Take a breather. Take a breath. Pat yourself on the back. It wasn't the red tsunami we hoped for, but it's a painstakingly gruesome process of small victories here and there, and we're going to see some good stuff at the end of the day. Right now, we're hanging out. I'm happy. I love having this guy on the program. He is the executive director of the CO2 Coalition, which you can find at CO2Coalition.org. Also, the author of the book, Inconvenient Facts, the science that Al Gore doesn't want you to know. Uh, Mr. Gregory Wrightstone. And Greg, uh, before you had mentioned some of the nitrogen, i got to ask you, there is a movement, even here in Kansas, I heard one of my legislators said that they were working on this here. Uh, obviously, it's going around around the country, but hydrogen cars, where they are, uh, where the the exhaust of it is water that comes out at the end of it. Do you know anything about these? Are they efficient? Is it something that we should look into? Because that's kind of fascinating to me. No, no, and heck no. <laughs> All right, Hi- yes, hydrogen cars. If if there was a, an inexpensive, economic form of hydrogen that you could use, it would be a marvelous wheel. You're right. The only thing that comes out is water vapor. But the problem is, the only ways we have right now of creating hydrogen, it, it you need more energy to create the hydrogen than what you get when you use it. It's wow. so inefficient. So they've got what's called blue hydrogen and green hydrogen. Blue hydrogen is is where it's created by using natural gas to burn. So you're burning natural gas to create the energy for, uh, to create this hydrogen. Uh, green natural gas means, green hydrogen means that what you're doing is using electricity from solar panels and wind turbines, nice. which they say are our zero emission to, to, for the electricity needed to generate hydrogen. Um, but it's, it's just, no, it, it, like I say, if there was an economic method to get hydrogen, it'd be wonderful. Sure. It would be really, really good. But there isn't. Wow. Would we get there someday? I don't know. It would it would take a, a, a tremendous breakthrough. But And if that occurs, yeah, we should look at it. But it, we don't have that now for them to even talk about it. Maybe we should do some research. I don't know. But but it, it, the, the technology today is, is just idiotic what they're again it takes more energy to create hydrogen than what you get by burning hydrogen yeah. whenever you use it and uh, just yeah no across the board and that's the problem i think with a lot of the alternative energies nowadays while we demonize these oil companies we look at solar panels or windmills or you know to whatever else that they have out there uh, these electric vehicles that are the big push right now it's not offsetting anything. We're using more coal, more natural gas, more whatever to try and generate the electricity for the electric vehicles while they're sitting there being charged by a gas-powered generator on the side of the road when they run out of power. Then they are actually saving the environment. But yet they're getting all of these massive subsidies from the federal government looking down the road, looking at the future yeah. of America and what direction we're going here. Are we yeah. going to see reliable, efficient, cheap energy that we can use for our vehicles and or our homes? We already have it. Yeah. We already have it. Yeah. It's called gasoline and diesel. <laughs> Natural gas would make a wonder. Is a, is a, actually a wonderful transportation fuel, but it's never taken off. Imagine pulling into your into your garage. Uh, I'm not. Yeah, I'm sure there are m- many homes in your area 
uh, are heated with natural gas. They have natural gas piped into their homes. Yeah. Uh, that's the way it was when I lived in Pennsylvania. And you could pull in there, charge up with cheap natural gas, uh, clean. There's no particulates coming out the tailpipe. Uh, and, and you could, it, it, it was a wonderful fuel. It's just never taken off. And I don't understand why. Uh, but no, we already have that. We already gasoline and, and diesel and coal. What they're doing is demonizing, though, carbon dioxide as a pollutant. It's not a pollutant. We, we filed an amicus brief uh, just a month ago in a case of uh, CHECC versus the EPA. Uh, again, in their what they called the endangerment finding, where in, uh, they, they determined in 2009 that CO2 was a pollutant. Yeah. EPA determined that. It's just not. It's it's the wonderful miracle molecule. But yet, it's not about the efficiency. It's about the power and the control that we're seeing at the federal government. And it's sad to see you. Yeah. At the risk of going non-carbon uh, <laughs> CO2 and, and climate change, yeah. I, I recently moved to Pennsylvania. I know a little bit about I know you're, you're, you've been talking a lot about the election. Yeah. Great. Yeah, we're, and, we're, out, we're out of time, my friend. we got to cut this off. But I, right. I, I got to talk to you some more about this stuff because it's big stuff. Gregory Wrightstone, CO2 Coalition. Greg, have a great weekend, my friend. Let's get you back on Thank the show you. again here soon. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Until then, this is The Voice Reason. I'm Andy Hooger. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on the radio on Monday.